This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome back, everybody. It's The Dominator. It is Sunday. I am your host, Billy Musio. With me today, one of my favorite people in the industry, Andrew Cooper, a.k.a. Coop Fiasco, here from Fantasy Alarm. He's the lead analyst over there. He's also a 2021 FSWA Football Writer of the Year finalist. He is featured on SiriusXM Radio and a host on Better Network. Coop, you also have a nickname, the Tight End Whisperer. How are you doing today, buddy? And how did you get the nickname? doing great man yeah finalist for a lot of a lot of those awards though i'm pretty sure jj zachary since won every single award i've been nominated for congrats to the goat one of these days i'm gonna get him though uh <laughs> yeah but um yeah the tight end whisper stuff man like i i never call myself that uh and it's funny that when i first started with fantasy alarm uh they were kind of like doling out who's gonna do what and howard bender has always been the tight end whisperer to me and they said i was gonna do running backs so I'm like all set up, but I was working on this like side project. So I, I email this spreadsheet of all these tight end stats to John and Pemba. And I said, give this to Howard. And he emailed me back and he goes, Howard says you're doing tight ends now. So then I just based on the research I done, he was like, you're doing them now. You take that over. And then eventually Howard was like, this guy's the new tight end whisperer. So that's how that came around again. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of corny at times, but I work hard doing it, right? That's that's awesome. So I, I can't have the 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 tight end whisper on the podcast and not talk tight ends. Uh, there's a lot of things we want to talk about. We want to talk about the FSGA draft that happened a few weeks ago that you were hosting there for Better Fantasy um, or Better Sports Network, excuse me. And then you you were pretty shocked at some of the picks that were come up, and that we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But we're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about tight ends. We're going to talk about our time bowling, and then we're going to jump into our our night at the poker table at like two in the morning in Cleveland. And so there's a few things we got to jump to. Some of it's fantasy relevant, some of it is not. So if you don't want to stick around for the non fantasy stuff, go ahead and exit out after the FSGA draft. But you're going to want to probably hear some of these stories because there we had a, we had a, we had a really good time in Cleveland. Oh yeah, absolute blast, dude! And unbel- I, we'll we'll let it speak for itself when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start off a little bit of tight end talk. Um, yes, 
we want to talk about a few different scenarios here at tight end. One is what is your general strategy when it comes to the tight end? Do you typically like to take one early? Do you typically like to take one late? Do you like to mix and match? What is the Titan Whispers tight end strategy inside drafts? Yeah. So uh, anyone that is really looking for the information, if you want the the full, because I mean, you can't get into all of it in an hour show, whatever, go to my profile at Coupe Fiasco on Twitter. The linked tweet is everything I know about tight ends, right? Uh, my strategy personally is not to draft one early unless it's two tight end or tight end premium because I'm contractually obligated to find breakout tight ends, right? Like that's our job. Now, the good news is that over the last six years, there's been a tight end that comes from outside the top 17 to finish top five in ADP every season, right? We're talking uh, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Logan Thomas, one year Eric Ebron, 13 touchdowns with Andrew Luck, uh, Evan Engram twice last year and as a rookie. So they're out there and it's our job to find them, right? So I have a little strategy I called yin and yang tight end. I do an article on it every year where I just take, I wait on tight end. I take a very safe player and then I take the highest risk, highest reward player. I don't care about floor. And if the guy hits early, great. If not, we rotate him out, right? Like Logan Thomas, for instance, through six weeks, he was tight end 26. He finished as tight end three. So we're always keeping our eye on the underlying metrics, trying to find those guys. That's the move, man. So we're looking for, uh, we want guys that are top on their team and targets or at least second, right? Uh, speed is huge because it contributes, contributes to ADOT. It contributes to yak, right? We're looking for, uh, the combination of these things to come together. And sometimes it takes an injury. Sometimes it, uh, you know, these guys just emerge or you know sometimes antonio brown brings a fake helmet to practice and calls the gm a cracker and then darren waller is the guy right like that's what we're looking for so that that's the game man but yeah i usually wait i usually wait because uh you know every week i'm writing about it researching about it so it would be a misuse of resources to take a tenant early and that goes for anybody if you think you can find wide receivers late don't draft wide receivers early you lean into your skills right billy Oh, absolutely. So give me give me a name. You mentioned that you like one upside play that has the athleticism, the speed that could potentially be a difference maker. That could be the one or the two in that offense. Give me give me a name. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a couple quick because one one, honestly, it's getting too popular. And honestly, I'm partially to blame. Uh, Chica Conquo. Yeah. Right. So that's a guy where we look at it. His yards per route. Run, so like last year, his rookie year was very similar to Mark Andrews, right? They both played like a 35% snap share. They both got like 30 or so receptions and the yards per route run was high. Uh, Chiggs was even higher than Andrews rookie year, right? So a lot of times you look at that, the machine, and if you could find a guy like that, uh, he also ran a four, five, two forty, which is the same as George Kittle. And George Kittle is the guy that breaks off all these monster plays. Chigakaku was the only only tight in the league last year with three 40 plus yard plays, and he only had a 35% snap share. So we're just hoping more snaps equates to more production, right? And the, he was third in snaps last year behind Jeff Swaim and Austin Hooper. Those guys are gone, baby. Gone. So it's time. Uh it, you know, if you want though, like that, that one's becoming a little too like I'm like such He's a tight hit. I'm a hipster, Billy. I'm a, I really am a hipster. It's almost like now my favorite band is on the radio and I'm just like, all right, we got to go do You know, I, I can't handle it. Right. So Chig, we obviously love him, but now he's going to the top 12. So is he a sleeper anymore, Billy? What do you think? 
No, like if you were drafting in February and March, like we were, I mean, he was going late round 14, right. 15. Um, the hype steamed up. I was really in on Chig back then as well. Um, as he's been climbing and climbing and climbing, I've been kind of shifting to other players because FFPC now he goes in round eight now, round seven at times. Right. And that, that to me now, that's not a sleeper. That's going maybe a round or two behind Friar Muth that let the latest, right? He's going ahead of Dalton Schultz now in these drafts. Uh, he's going ahead of Tyler Higby, you know, who I really like this year, actually. And that's the player who I was going to mention. I'll get to him in a second. Yeah, but, we do. Um, I like I like Chigo. I like Chigo a lot. And, and when you talked about being the number one or two option on their team, in my opinion, he's the clear cut number two. Like in my projections, right. we have Traylon Burks, easy number one in this offense. It's debatable if they even have another NFL wide receiver on this team. Nick Westbrook-Akeen doesn't do a lot for me. Kyle Phillips, although I liked the talent in camp last year, we got hurt and didn't get to see the field that much. Chris Conley, ew, gross. Chris gross. Moore, gross, ew. Right, so Chigo has a real opportunity to be the number two in this offense. I haven't projected for 83 and a half targets, so we'll just round up and call it 84. Uh, I haven't projected for 715 yards and a little under five scores. He's my tight end number 11 inside of the projections, and – he has been as high as 10. Um, Higby just recently moved back ahead of him in my projections, and I'm just going to naturally move into Higby now. Love Higby just because this offense is also kind of deprived of weapons. We know they have Cooper Cup there as the number one. Tutu Atwell might make an appearance this year as the number two in the receiving game, maybe Van Jefferson. But we look at what Tyler Higby down, did down the stretch and the game logs. I mean, we saw an 11-target game there in week 16 versus Denver, seven-target games, eight-target games. The beginning of the season, even when he had Cooper Cup on the field is actually when he did the best 11 targets in week one nine targets in week two 14 targets in week four and gotta like the amount of routes that he's running we're constantly seeing 80 to 90 percent routes um when he's on the field and so i think that he's kind of sneaky this year he has the ability to be um the number two option inside of this rams passing game we're expecting them to be worse than they were last year on a defense standpoint which is good for fantasy because they're going to be playing from behind uh they're going to might have to throw the ball a little bit more where we love those garbage time touchdowns whether it's wide receiver or tight end or quarterback i will take it and i'm glad to see tyler higby kind of go late and this year yeah man and that's the thing is that uh with you know early on with tight end you we ask ourselves why like why am i paying for travis kelsey why am i paying for mark andrews right and you have to justify it a lot of different ways because you're spending the capital later on we start asking why not right like why can't tyler higby be a top two target on the team why can't you know so like you have to use your imagination i do like tyler higby is the exact kind of guy where especially in full ppr you can trust him he could have exact earths type season but, you know, he the one thing he's missing, Billy, and you'll agree, is he doesn't really have the juice, right? Like, he's not going to break a lot of tackles. He's not going to rip off big plays. But there's no argument to be made against 8, 9, 10 targets, right? So, like, we're, you know, if we're going with the philosophy, we, ha- we have to be in if they trade away Allen Robinson, if they have nothing else after. And, you know, we saw it last year. He the thing with, with him last year is he was a tight end six, but he was arguably the most unstartable tight end six I've ever seen week to week. Right. Like in best ball, he was amazing. Right. And, and, and if you survived through best ball uh, at the end of the year, he had that like 30 point game. Right. So like he took you to the level where you were making money, but he also had games where he had the 80, 90% snap and route share where he dropped zero spots. Right. So it's so difficult to come back from that, 
And, th- and that's where uh, understanding the underlying metrics and all the information regarding routes and everything, that's what gives you the confidence to actually continue starting a guy like that and collect on that. But yeah, Tyler Higby for me at tight end 16 right now, I'm actually in for the first time ever. I'm in on Tyler Higby. Hey, just, let's go. We're in, man. We're in. And that's the thing is like, th- that's kind of the exercise that you have to do in these later rounds, especially in like underdog. We were drafting two to three tight ends in every league. Like say to yourself, okay, uh, like create a scenario, use your imagination. Who could be a top two target, right? Like let, let's go through some of these guys, Irv Smith, for instance, how many injuries does he need to be a top two target to give you that upside to win best ball mania? I, I can't see it. You know, like if, if T Higgins gets hurt, I mean, Jamar chase got hurt last year and Hayden Hurst didn't really do a lot. So like Irv Smith is a guy that some people, you know, their analysis is, Oh, Joe Burrow is good. And then they take him. But for me, I can't do it. But Billy, when you look around after we get past this, this top group, you know, obviously Waller could be one Dalton Schultz could be one. Is there anybody like when you look, using your imagination who could be a top two target on their team top two target on their team inside the tight end or it, i mean sorry inside the top 10 or it, or just in, in general outside like so once we get outside that group so we once you get outside of we look at schultz we look at waller is possible yep, Higby, schultz was as the one said. i was gonna go to yeah outside, um, outside of that i mean now is where you have to create you have to do a little digging Right. There's like, uh, there's some sneaky ones. I mean, you technically could have Trey McBride as the number right? two option inside the passing game because we know Rondell Moore isn't the most healthy guy ever in the league, although I love Rondell Moore. Marquise Brown is not the most healthy guy in the league. Zach Ertz is coming off a ACL tear. ACL. I mean, McBride has an option. He technically, I mean, if you if you try to look at all the scenarios of like what's possible, there is a world in which Trey McBride could be the number two target inside of Arizona. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's what we have to ask, because I mean, like, it, that's what, how we found Dal- Dalton Schultz was tight in 35, right? Because it was like uh, when his breakout year in the argument, because it was like him versus Blake Jarwin, right? And then like he when he won that and and Dak liked him, he moved up. Logan Thomas, same thing. So why can't Trey McBride be that guy? I'll give you another one. Uh, I look at New England, right? And I, oh, I, I was per- going to say, please say Jusecki. I personally think that Juju will be the top target, but why not Jusecki, right? Like, why can't he be? the next guy and Alex Barth, a beat writer from Boston, he pulled up the transcripts and went back through all the times that people went to Bill Belichick and said, Hey, what do you think about the tight end in Miami and Bill Belichick on nine different occasions corrected them and said, well, he's actually more of a big wide receiver. Right. And then Mike Gusecki complains about his usage, you know, live on Mike to Dawson Knox. We know that he didn't like his usage there as a free agent. He could have gone anywhere. He decides to go to the Patriots, right, where you look around and who is the next guy? So I, I just I could see a world where Mike Kosecki ends up being that guy. And I know what Belichick's doing, right, because he is always the guy who looks at what the other team does best. And he says, all right, we're going to stay away from that or we're going to uh, marginalize that. You look at guys like Sauce Gardner, Trey White. Sauce Gardner only played nine snaps in the slot all last year, fully outside wide receiver. So what does Belichick do? He goes, gets Juju and Mike Kosecki and says, come on in the slot. I dare you. Otherwise, what are they going to do? Juju uh, sauce is going to cover Devontae Parker the whole game. What a waste. I'm interested to see if they if they pivot off that. But yeah, I mean, it's situations like that. Like, you know, it might not come to fruition, but we're talking about tight end 24. So who cares? 
So you heard it here first, Andrew Cooper saying that Jacecki has the option to be a top two option in the passing game in New England. I have one thing to say to that. Amen to that shit. That's right. <laughs> Drop it, baby. Let's go, dude. Let's go. Amen on that. Yeah, I love that. Let's uh, uh <laughs> let's move over to FSGA draft. Let's pull up the draft board. But before we do so, let's get a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC. And remember, use promo code Underworld. Promo code Underworld gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code Underworld, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go get it. FFPC promo code Underworld. I've been drafting a ton over there. I'm probably already in the, in the main tournament, the best ball tournament now. I'm probably about 55 teams in already, and I have done a wide range of tight end builds over there, Coop. I've done early tight end builds, double tapping Andrews and Hawkinson. I've done some really late tight end builds where somebody like McBride is my one. I t- you know, stack four there at the end with like Kate Otten, Logan Thomas and just kind of shoot for the moon on a lot of players that might have a role. And then I've done, of course, the regular double tap in the middle where I take like Higby and Dulcich. And so got to like the FFPC format, um, especially with that tight end premium. You probably do well in that. Oh, I, I love that, man. And I I just honestly, I treat it like hero, the, the way people do like hero or anchor RB. So I will take, I'll take the guy I like best early, usually a guy like Waller or somebody like that. And then I scrap, right? But like... You look at a guy like Gary Haddow, who won Scott Fishbowl 2019, which what is tight end premium, similar thing. He waited on tight end, drafted four in a row, happened to hit on Darren Waller. So, uh, yeah, killer. And I just want to say real quick, dude, shout out to your chat, man. Harry Snowman, Ball is Life, FF, dude. Some sharp cats in here. And I, I'm loving Laporte. I actually tweeted about him earlier today. That's another one where, at least early on, especially with Jamison Williams suspended, why can't Laporta sneak in there and uh, and get a ton of targets, right? Dalton, yeah. get Dalton Kincaid, right? Guys like that. Shoot for the moon. While we're in the chat, what about Conklin for you? I know we're supposed to talk FSJ, but let's just keep talking tight ends for a minute. Is Conklin a target for you at all with, with Aaron Rodgers? So the thing about Conklin is that he's, for me, more of a best ball play because he is uh, inelusive, if that's a word. <laughs> like, he just he does not break tackles, man. He He's not particularly quick. He doesn't create for himself, doesn't get a lot of contested catches, but... 
he will score touchdowns in that offense. One thing I will say for Conklin is I pulled up, I did this little exercise I like doing, which is a two minute drill exercise. I pulled up every, uh, every player that got receptions with three minutes left in the second quarter, fourth quarter and overtime, either tied or down by uh, less than 16 points or less. Right. So trying to figure out, okay, teams are still in it. Technically that gets the wall, right? Number one, the guy that got the most targets of any player was Pat Fryermuth. Any player, wide receivers, anyone? Number two was Tyler Conklin. Wow. So, yeah, in, in those situations, they were leaning on Conklin a bit. Again, different quarterback, different coordinator, so who knows? But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, man, he could throw a touchdown to pass to one of you or me, right? Like, if you pushed a shopping cart down towards the end zone, he would find a way to get some touchdowns to that guy. I mean, Robert Tunyon scored 11, right? So, uh, Conklin in best ball. I'm in standard, maybe where tight ends are where touchdowns are king, maybe. But I just I believe in Alan Lazard. I believe in Garrett Wilson. So I, I can't put him on the target pedestal yet. So uh, that's where I'm at with Conklin. Best ball only for me, which is the biggest cop out ever to say best ball only. But I will. <laughs> I, mean, I can say best ball only if I give two full minutes of solid reasoning first. Right, Billy? <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah. It's like all the statistics. Best ball only. That's it. I'm done. I'm yeah. Done. <laughs> As long, but it's just saying maybe in best ball without any analysis, though, is the biggest like fantasy football crutch of all time. So I would never do that. I'll lay out why first and then I will say best ball only. Well, this draft we did, this is the FSGA draft that I was in. You were you were hosting on uh, Better Network. And and so I want to real quick talk about the draft. What were your instant reactions? So I know you weren't able to speak your mind freely on air. But there was a what the fuck moment in this draft that happened in round one. And then again in round one, what were you thinking when you saw Josh Allen go off the board in round one? And then and then what did you think about Jacobs going in round one in this draft? Yeah, man. I mean, I do. I do my best to speak my mind, you know, but I don't want to hurt feelings. I the, What's funny is that you and me are friends. So I was rooting against you. So I could be mean to you. Like I even said that on air. I was like, I'm kind of pissed that Billy's draft is going well. Cause it's funny. It's funny. It is funnier. Right. Like it is funnier that way. But yeah. So with the Josh Allen pick, here's, here's my problem with that is you, you have to ask yourself why. And I have no, I have no problem with reaching to get your guys but you have to do it within the scope of ADP, right? The moment you make that pick well above a round of where you need to, yeah, that's where you've made the mistake, right? Where So an argument could be made that maybe this guy thought that quarterbacks were going to go heavy and that he wasn't going to get Josh Allen the way back. But there's anyone paying attention to ADP and early drafts and the experts in this league, right? Like your rank, I can find your rankings, Billy. Like I see your f- little face next to your players on the player profile website. Like you're right, there's a little picture of you on there, right? Like there was actually you. somebody drafting at that site with my rankings. Did you know <laughs> that? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Was he? Somebody was actually <laughs> drafting with my rankings. That's what I'm saying. Like I know who you like. Like that's that's what's crazy about this is that like, and my buddies at home know who I like. I'm just better at this. Like it's and my stuff's all fluid. Like you're just my rankings isn't going to help you beat me. But like, so for him to do that, I just think he, he went too far and same goes for, uh, you know, Brian Henderson, who admitted that he doesn't draft, he doesn't do a ton of drafts, right? He, so he took the 49ers defense very early and he also took the first kicker. So those teams for me, like I immediately have to rule those out as ones that I would consider the best in this draft. I would obviously never put them on blast on, 
you know, live on air. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not really putting them on a blast here because you could easily win your league if you're right. Right. Correct. Like I've, I'm, I live in Boston and I, dude, one of my buddies, when you were drafted Brady and Randy Moss and Brady threw 50 touchdown passes and Randy Moss caught 23. And we were during the draft, we all called him a homer. And then later we were like, dude, you're such a jerk. Like what, a, you know what I mean? Like what a way to win a league, dude. He has 73 touchdowns from the local team. Uh, there was the year and I was on with Howard on 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 the fantasy alarm show on Sirius XM radio last week. And we did a segment called Am I Trippin'? And one of my examples, when we talk about home leagues, we talk about people who make some asinine picks, but it just works out sometimes. There was a guy in one of my home ne- leagues. His name was Wilby. And this was the year, if you remember, Julius Thomas kind of burst onto the scene with like 12 or 13 touchdowns. 2013. Yeah. And so he, we're in, this is Titan Premium Home League. He takes Gronkowski and Julius Thomas one and two on the turn, which was just asinine at the time. But the two combined for like, I figured like 2,400 yards and like 24 touchdowns. Yeah, I think Gronk had eight. Wait, was that the other Gronk had 18 touchdowns? Or was was, that I think he had another 12 or 13 that year. 12 or 13 that year. Because yeah, it was like, like 24, crazy. 25 combined touchdowns with dude. Yeah. And he ended up winning the league out of it because it was just – that was the that was the big Peyton Manning year, right? It was, well, that, so that's the thing about that Peyton Manning year and why I always preach top two target on the team, right? Because you can get there as the third target, but a lot of times you'll be inconsistent week to week. But that was the last time a team had two top 24 wide receivers and a top five tight end. And Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdown passes. 55. That's a record that stands now. And it's hashtag good. Hashtag break. Yeah, hashtag break good, dude. So and that's so that's the problem you run into is like if I sit here and I say I like Jamar Chase and I like T. Higgins, that immediately tells me that that tight end is at best a handcuff if one of the guys gets hurt. Right. It's 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 a very difficult situation to have all three guys be the guys. And it's why I'm not honestly drafting a lot of Dallas Goddard. It's why I'm not drafting a lot of George Kittle like Dallas Goddard last year when everyone was healthy. uh, You had A.J. Brown getting eight targets a game. You had Devonta Smith getting seven point seven and Goddard was getting five point six. I mean, he, he can be safe but boring, right? Yeah. It's, it's cruising into third place, in my opinion. So I'm just, I, I'm not doing it, dude. I'm not doing it. Well, you talked about hashtag good. Let's look at this draft board and let's talk about the teams that we think are hashtag good. Well, let's talk about yours first, Billy, because I know you want to do that. So let, I mean, like, let's just get that out of the way. Can we get that out of the way? I do love your team. It's super annoying that you were it's able actually to get pretty a lot good. of these players. Pretty good I team. said this, and I said this during the during the the during the uh broadcast that it's full PPR. So the guy next to you Drew who is a is a great player. He took mm-hmm. Derrick Henry and Damian Pierce who in my opinion not the not amazing full PPR players. You got Cooper Cup, Amon Ross Brown and Jameer Gibbs your first three picks. How many targets is that, dude? Like if those guys are like that we're talking like that's like 500 targets between so those three I guys. have Cooper Cup let me pull the projections up real quick. So Cooper Cup let's go over to the NFC West. Cooper Cup I have projected for 158 targets and then if we go over to the NFC North so 158 I'm going to pull up the calculator too and do this at the same time. So 158 plus I got Amon Ross St. Brown in here. It was a good thing we're on the same team here. So we can just look at Amon Ross St. Brown, who I projected for 165 targets because he's the only option right now. It's right. 165. That's 323 targets. And then I have 
Uh, Jameer Gibbs yeah. for 50 targets. And that and might be low. He, he, could, he could easily do more. Yeah. He could do and that's more. That's a pretty conservative number. That's 373 uh, I, targets between I the think three it, of them. I think if they, you know, as, as, because they have Dave Montgomery as their first round pick that they traded up to get, if he only gets 50 targets, I think that, that as a Lions fan, I'd be, I would be disappointed. If I'm not a Lions fan, but if I was a Lions fan and my team used a first round pick on a guy that only got 50 targets, that when you have another early down bruiser back, I think I would be disappointed with the pick. Uh, so I, I, I think Jameer Gibbs, the upside's a lot higher than 50. Yeah, I, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to rookie running backs and just my projections in general. Uh, I do have him projected for 175 carries. He just comes out as running back, I think, 18 inside of my projections, which is a little bit lower than than most sites. Uh, I just think that there is a real scenario in which David Montgomery is still pretty involved in the passing game. And when I say pretty involved, we're talking like, you know, five, five and a half percent target share, like 28, 32 targets, which is just enough to kind of leech enough from Jameer Gibbs to be, you know, a top... 12, 13 running back. I'll put it this way, though, man. Like, think of, and like, I'm not even that huge on Gibbs, but think of rookie year Alvin Kamara, where Mark Ingram was RB8. He had 1,500 yards. He was targeted fairly regularly. He is a good, he was a good, great pass catcher at the time. He scored, what, uh, 12 touchdowns, right? But Alvin Kamara got 100 targets and scored 13 touchdowns. He was RB3. Like, Christian McCaffrey wasn't the full time back as a rookie but he got 115 targets something like that 180 receptions that year 80 receptions right so like gibbs has that upside man so i love what you did and here's the other part and i mentioned this on the draft that a lot of people don't think about like this is like another level of strategy and why i hate linear rankings i hate linear rankings because what you did is you went for cup and amon ross st brown uh cup obviously super megastar amon ross st brown still low a dot guy seven yard a dot but you load it up on very safe players that are going to be in your lineup every week. And then once you had those guys, you started taking upside stabs. Correct. Right. So like you look around and a team that takes, if you take Javante Williams, you can't also take like Deandre Hopkins and Dalvin cook. You're, you're, you're loading up with too much risk. You got so much safety early on that you opened up the door to take the risk, which I love. I love that about this draft for you. So kudos, dude. Awesome, man. <laughs> like <laughs> again, Boring, boring content to pat you on the back, dude. But you, I, I like, you know what I mean? It is boring. That's why it's much better if I could be like, dude, I hated this pick. Uh, let me see. What did I not like? I mean, you could have done better at tight end, honestly. Uh, so and- I really like Higby this year. We talked about him earlier. Dulcich for me is that upside shot that you talked about. Now, I don't think that he is very likely to be number one or two in the offense, but I could see him being a downfield threat for this offense right. and, and, and picking up chunk yards, kind of like a George Kittle yard after the catch guy, you know, and, and getting out there down the field and getting some big catches. That's what I look at Dulcich as. And then if this offense clicks, like I think they're going to click, cause I'm pretty high on Denver just in general. I think that we could see a pretty surprising offense out of, you know, three weapons inside of this, this offense. And I'll tell you right now with this team, when you look at what Sean Payton has been doing, like so, like there was the early trade rumors, right, with the wide receivers. Yeah. Then he then he goes out and he not only brings in Adam Trotman and Chris Manhurts, which are full on blocking tight ends at this stage, but he brought in Michael Burton, which Michael Burton for him with the uh, with the Saints, he 
played 25 to 35 percent of the snaps a lot of times as a fullback. Every time you bring that fullback in the game, you're taking a wide receiver out. Every time you bring that blocking tight end in the game, you're taking a wide receiver out. So with what he's building, I honestly would not be shocked to see them deal one of the wide receivers. I really wouldn't, man. And when you look at Sean Payton and his attitude with like who's buying in, who's not, he's exactly the kind of coach. I mean, he cut uh, McManus, right? Like if you're not buying in, you're gone, right? Like Bill Bill Belichick will do that too. So let's take this, let's take this scenario and run with it. Okay. So let's just say they move on from either Judy or Sutton. How far does Dulcich move and what is his 10 and 8? I'd move him immediately to 10 and 8. And I would move him immediately to 10 and 8, which is where I have... uh, I would move him ahead of Chickaconqua. I think I would, because I just trust Russell Wilson more. Um, And They're going to throw more? I think they're going to throw more, and I I just trust... uh, Like, because Sean Payton used the word Joker. And people, when they hear Joker, they think Alvin Kamara, right? I think Batman. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Billy, for... (laughs) God damn it, gotta dude. keep it real. Gotta keep it real. Uh, I think I think about getting kicked out of the table at uh, <laughs> Cleveland, the Jack Casino at at two a.m. on Tuesday. Ooh, that's that's but, that's that's a little tease. A little tease for later, but dude, no, like so. What he calls at, now? Will you please be serious with me for a second? He calls <laughs> Avin Kamara the Joker, right? Why so serious? <laughs> Dude, you said that was half Heath Ledger, half Yoda, <laughs> half Yoda. At the- <laughs> I swear I'm sober, people. I'm sober. Oh, man. That is fun. <laughs> Begun the tight end wars have. <laughs> so Stronger anyway, tight end are. <laughs> Dude, any- anyway, bro. Anyway, the so like, uh, dude, so the Joker idea is that it creates mismatches. He used to call Jimmy Graham the Joker too because he was a Joker because you it's a player you play out of position. He would play him at wide receiver. I so I truly believe that. So like when I say 8, uh, you have Kelsey ahead, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, uh and then Pitts is 4, you know, 5 and 6 have to be Goddard and Kittle, right? Like they're in there somewhere. Yeah. And then I also have Darren Waller ahead because he could lead that team and targets and I've seen him do it. So I have to have him ahead. Like those names I have to have ahead. I wouldn't be scared to pull Dulcich right there at eight. Right. Like, and, and would you put him ahead of any of those guys I named? I mean, it's kind of tough with that crew. That's just, no, I mean, started... it's tough with that crew. I mean, I think the other name, I don't know if you mentioned it or not was Fryermuth, right? No, so, I'm out. I'm out. I'm fine. Dude, here's the problem I have, man, is that again, we play this game of like, okay, do we think the quarterback is prolific? Can this be an offense like the 2019 Falcons that throws 50 more passes than every other team and you have Ridley and Julio and Austin Hooper? I don't I don't think so, man. They, no, can he pick it through seven touchdown passes? Okay, so if you if you can't put this team in the top five for pass attempts, then now you have to play the next game, which is who is who is being overdrafted? Is it Deontay Johnson? I have P- seventh in pass attempts. Okay, well, that's not too bad. I mean, well, you must be drafting Kenny Pickett in a lot of leagues. I do have some Kenny Pickett. I do, too. I do, too. Well, just because, like, you look at ADP, uh, so, like, pick 70 off the board, uh, Deontay Johnson and uh, George Pickens are going there, and Muth is going at 100. You so can stack them really cheap. Yeah, they're going. They're, they're cheap, but they're also being drafted in every single league. And, like, so if all three of those guys are being drafted, then the quarterback, we ran into this last year with Tua. 
It was like, if we love all the weapons, we have to, something has to give. Either the weapons are going to suck or the quarterback's going to be good. So maybe Pickett does take a step forward, but you have to fade somebody if you like Muth. Like George yeah, Pickens I, is probably I'm, the little hanging fruit, but it's tough. I've been I've been fading George Pickens, not just not because of the player. I think the player is great. For me, right. it just breaks down to um the pecking order, right? He might yes. be number three in the pecking order. And then on top of it, we we talked about the uncertainties of the quarterback position there. I mean, it's it's a real thing, even though I'm I think they're gonna take a step forward, it still is an uncertainty. But the biggest thing for me, and I've talked about this on several pods, so I won't go too much into it is the just the amount that they've bolstered the offensive line. You know, they got Broderick yeah. Jones in round one. They got Darnell Washington in round three, who's a blocking tight end. They got another tight end in the late in drafts, you know, or not tight end, sorry, another offensive line late in the draft. So this line should be better. That should help them run. That should help them throw. And in general, I think that we're going to see a uh, improved picket. And so we know that Tomlin will continue to throw the ball. I mean, we, Deontay Johnson has yet to go under 144 targets in his career. Even last year, with the ups and downs and the quarterback uncertainty there, he still had 147 targets. He's locked in. He's I, locked. I, there's no chance he well, he scores zero touchdowns again. I would bet yeah. my bottom dollar. I bet your bottom dollar. Yeah, uh, Tor- I, so I, I love your chat, dude. Toronto Dave and Joe Carlton both connecting the dots. That Russell Wilson in the same spot. We can't love the weapons without boosting the quarterback a little bit. So Correct. yeah, and, and I will say, I, I did mention earlier, but... Uh, Pat Fryermuth in those two-minute drill situations led every player, 24 targets in those situations. And also, because my followers are annoying, they were like, well, maybe that team had more targets than any other team in those situations. I did it by percentage, too, painstakingly, by hand. <laughs> Take on that, my, fuckers. On my computer. <laughs> and <laughs> painstakingly, by hand, with a couple extra clicks of my mouse. And uh, and Fryermuth actually led all players in percentage, too. So everyone is going to have to eat it because I did the math because, because my followers are too smart. I wish I had dumb followers. That would be so much easier, right? <laughs> Numbers talk percentages walk. So he did the percentages. Uh, we did it all, dude. We did it all. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's get back to this draft board. So outside my team, who's obviously the best, who is number two? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's, who's number two in this league? Well, that's the worst, dude. So uh, I will say I, one thing I was one last thing on your team. Why didn't you draft Stafford, man? Like you were already pot committed. I so because I wanted to, I was stacking um ARSB and Goff and exactly. oh, Gibbs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I, he could have taken two quarterbacks. And so right. I mean, Detroit, I, I like Detroit's shootout schedule too. I mean, so it also goes with Denver here. So week 15, they get Denver. So I got little Dulcich in there. Cowboys right? 17, right? And then they get um Dallas week 17. So that's I, what's a yeah. Oh, you did say yeah, Cowboys. Sorry. I said Cowboys. Yeah. Don't yeah, don't did. correct me on something I was no. right on, Billy. Are you no, you're me? absolutely correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I did not get the stack, you know, Cowboys in this 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 offense, but um the, the Denver getting Dulcich there. I and mean, I'm just not sold on Stafford this year. I think he's yeah, I think he's being underdrafted, but I I like Jared Goff. Have you seen him throw a football yet? I haven't seen a clip. I need I, to, I, I need to see one video of him throwing a football and I'll start drafting him. He'll be fine. All right. All right. I will say we got to talk about Matt Deutsch's team, right? Because yeah. it's like I love dude the first five picks. I was like, man, he's crushing, dude. Like he's killing, right? McCaffrey, Brees Hall, T. Higgins, Traylon Burks, Justin Fields. Love those picks, man. What do you think about the back-to-back Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan? Especially he already took Brees Hall, which just kind of it seems it, I mean, like, man, he's talking, we're talking about fragility at this position. This is the most fragile build you could possibly make. 
Yeah, it's very fragile. Um, it's one of those those it's one of those rosters though where if he can get enough out of his RB two down the stretch, Brees Hall and Javante, if healthy, could be difference makers on this roster. Now, I am out on Javante this year. I don't think that Me he's too. Yeah. going to be ready to play. I think he's going to be limited, and I don't think he's going to be majority of the season. That being said, um, Brees Hall is ahead of schedule, and I think that the lateral yeah. agility is the only thing we had to look, kind of have worry with in the first few weeks. But down the stretch, Brees Hall could arguably be the RB1 down 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 the road so having christian mccaffrey pairing a brace hall i like but it is a little just too much injury risk for me i would have liked to have probably seen some more you know dart throws at running back position later you know having maybe throw a pierre strong out there a chase brown a um jeff wilson a clyde Edwards Lair, you know jerome ford he could have just painted it green towards the end and just just in case one of those guys is you know, right. The RB two or actually steps forward and does something in fantasy, then it's less risky and then he can flex them. And then, so th- I would have liked to have seen that probably instead of, you know, the, the Claypool and Parker picks, but yeah, think- other than that, I like a lot of the players he picked. I think they has a lot of upside and if it all hits, it's going to be dangerous. I think every player on his team missed time last year, except for McCaffrey, which is the one everyone said was going to and didn't. So, I mean, it is dicey. It's dicey, but, you know, we'll see. I, I did like, again, there's a couple of teams I had to rule out immediately just because of picks. Like, yeah, roster construction. Yeah, it's roster construction and just certain picks where it's like, you, once you take the 49ers defense in the eighth round, I couldn't possibly pick your team to be the best one, even though I love Miles Sanders, right? Like, there's certain guys that I'll go around, I'm like, well, where are my guys, right? And yep. I, I just can't possibly pick that team. So same with the Josh Allen team. Like, I'm just... Uh, like I can't pick it. I like Chris, Chris Wilson probably has the safest team. Chris Wilson's team is the team that like, it looks like if you just let the computer auto draft and they just, <laughs> pick, you know what I mean? Like Tyree kill, Nick Chubb, Najee Hawk, Herbert Dotson. It's Brandon solid. Cooks. It's so, it's so solid. Dude, that, yeah, that team is that if I had to pin a fourth place medal on a team, Oh, no, sorry. I was looking at the team next to it. Yeah, his Jamar Chase Pollock. It's solid, but yeah, it's it's not moving the needle for me. Uh, personally, I like I would pick your team or I'd pick Matt, Matt's team. I'm just looking for upside, like explosion. In Because in this, you uh, how many teams get moved up to the next level? Is it just the winner? It's just the winner. So it's 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 right. Pretty much so this is like they, they, exactly. This is in your hometown league. Like a lot of hometown leagues, it's like 200 bucks and third place makes some money in this league. There's no money on it. And everybody that doesn't come in first has to play at this level again, just trying to make the next level. So you might as well go crazy. Uh, what, what team jumps out of you, Billy, besides yours? Like I like Crotworth's team, which is the 12 hole. Um, he took Jonathan Taylor, Stephon yeah. Diggs, Christian Watson, Godwin, Deontay Evans, Bateman. So this is a three wide receiver start league. So he's going to be able to start three of those guys, one in the flex. So he is going to have to sit one, but I think overall, like what he did, took his anchor running back. He went high upside, high, high wide receivers. And then he took a bunch of gambles at running back for that. RB2. It's that punt right. to build um, that does really well in tournaments can find leagues like this. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out because he might have trouble filling that RB2 position on a week to week basis. Right. And I like, I like, and again, this is why linear rankings, I don't like them, is that when you go like hero RB like this, you have to remember, you want as much upside as possible, but you still need somebody to start week one. Correct. And Rashad Penny does fit. I don't like drafting Rashad Penny, especially in full PPR. He's never had 
10 receptions in a season ever. He, his quarterback threw the lowest percentage of passes to the running back last year, his quarterback vultures touchdowns. But you, once you get to that range of the draft, you need someone that you can start week one, right? So Samaj P. Ryan, right? We could start him. Rashad Penny. I would be like, if you push comes to shove, you can start him compared to some of these other guys. Like Kareem Hunt's not even signed. Zach Charbonnet, we don't know what, what he's going to be, right? So we look around like, you got to either go for upside or go for somebody you can actually start right now, start Penny. And then he's, he started taking, okay, I'm taking Kendra Miller. I'm taking a rookie. He took three rookies in a row. Kendra Miller, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson. Hell yeah. Shoot for the moon. Go for it. Pierre strong. James Robinson just got cut. Somebody's going to play along with Ramondre Stevenson. Could be Pierre strong. Could be Tom Montgomery. But if it's Tom Montgomery, you can add him off waivers, right? So I do like what he did there, man. It, it it was smart in the execution, which I appreciate that more than anything because it shows that you actually know what you're doing. What do you think of Jeff Ratcliffe's team, the Barkley, Waddle, Cooper, uh, Cooper, Judy team? I mean, first of all, obviously most handsome guy at the draft. So you know, once you you have to get beyond that part, right? Uh, no, I I I like that. Team. I love Waddle, and I saw somebody in the chat say Amon Ross St. Brown or Waddle. I'm on raw in full PPR, yes, but in half PPR or standard, it's Waddle because uh, Amon Ra is still a seven-yard A dot guy. Both of them were seven-yard A dot as rookies. Amon Ra stayed in that role, six point nine yard A dot last year. Waddle in the new offense of Mike McDaniel went up to thirteen yards. So was the, wasn't he number one in the league actually? Yeah, he was up there, baby. So like, I'm I'm all for again. I would take ARS, ARSB in full PPR like you did, but Waddle in half PPR, I actually straight up have a head. But like, I love Amari Cooper. Like, why he was almost, he almost set careers in all the stats last year targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. Uh, he was either tied or close. I think it was like 20 yards, 20 yards off yards. So, and he's going to get Deshaun Watson for a full year. I'm in on Amari. I'm in on Judy. Kyle Pitts, I'm obviously willing to take that stab. Kadarius Tony had the high yards per route run. So sprinkle some more uh, playing time on there. He could be the guy. David Montgomery with touchdowns. I mean, th- this probably is the team I like second best. And I love Tua. So, but I mean, it's Jeff Ratcliffe. He knows what he's doing, right? Nico Collins. And then he goes, Nico Collins, Jonathan Mingo. Who's going to lead those team in targets, right? Who's going to lead the Texans in targets? Who's going to lead the Panthers in targets? Might not be those guys, but you're giving yourself a chance, right? Who do you think leads the Panthers in targets, Billy? Such a loaded question. Such a ridiculous question. It is. I come, on, I come on your show and just ask you a completely loaded, impossible question. <laughs> I think, honestly, it's disgustingly probably going to be Adam Thielen. But I think that Could we be. that that Chark has a chance to at least push for it. I don't think we're going to see Mingo or Terrace Marshall lead the t- team in targets. But um, so I'm, I'm probably going to just take the gross way out and say Adam Thielen. In terms of Houston, though, I think the correct answer might be Schultz. Could be um, Schultz. I like your pick. I like you taking Mechie at the end of the year. I was gonna say yeah. it also could be Mechie. I like right. Mechie. You know, give me, every, give me the wild cards. Right. People forget he's a round two pick last year. Yeah. Uh, now the thing, the the other thing I like about the Thielen pick is like, let's say uh, I like to play this game all things even, and it le- leads me to picking tight end a lot because like, okay, so I did it with Ingram last year. I'm like, okay, Christian Kirk's new to the team. So is Zay Jones. Marvin Jones is there. Uh, Evan Engram. If everyone gets equal targets, then who's the best play? It's Evan Engram because he has tight end eligibility, right? I look at the Panthers and I say, all things equal, who's the best option? Well, Adam Thielen is an absolute red zone monster, right? So if all the targets are equal, 
he has he has on the historically he's been right yeah. like so new, team, new offense new system though true but like if all targets are equal i want to lean into the guy that maybe gives me that little extra something the little extra touchdowns or whatever it ends up being right so i do that I, i'm with you on the feeling move there cool command pick i don't like at all okay um i think that's it for this draft i don't i think we've identified some of the, the picks i wanted to talk about Likes, I like the teams that you mentioned. I like Deutsch's team. I liked Radcliffe's team. I liked. I think Radcliffe's the best team, actually. Now that I think of it, your team, your team's second best. (laughs) (laughs) Radcliffe's better. He's better at this than you. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'll just I'll finish the show myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's um let's talk a little bowling. So fantasy is out the window now, boys. So if if you guys want to stick around, we'd love to have you. But we are talking about bowling. We went out. We were at the FSGA. We had the bowling matchup. We, what, it was me, you, Bender, Deutsch, right? Yeah. The four of us were facing off against TJ, right? It was. TJ uh, Shore, uh, Wyatt from JWB Fantasy. Chris Wilson. Uh, and I think Ed, they added Ed Williams, dude, right? Or That's did right. he jump on our team? Yeah. I forget. I don't know. Yeah. I think Ed hopped on ours at the end because Deutsch disappeared. Right. Yeah. yeah. But so we're bowling. We were all bowling pretty consistently, pretty terrible. And then all of a sudden we had a hot streak. It was like, I think we had like four straight strikes down, down the board. Our team did. And then it just took off. Deutsch had like two or three in dude, a row. Doi- did he I've jerk never- it? Dude, he's Deutsch was an absolute animal, and his celebrations were all like he was levitating. After he, I think he did turkey, and on his third strike, he was actually levitating. Like I thought he was just <laughs> going to ascend into the rafters. Like it was unbelievable. And I will tell you this: that our our ability to come together was one hundred percent fueled by you guys all being jerks. Like <laughs> I'll tell anyone listening right now, don't ever bowl with a bunch of fantasy analysts because just picture your friends and how much you talk trash to each other. Like not only were you guys talking trash to me, but when we were on the same team, you were actually talking more trash. And <laughs> I went and, got you the little roller. I got dude, you got a roller. roller and you're posting stuff on, on the internet, dude. Like, uh, in live so like you're talking trash to my face and then behind my back you're tweeting to thousands of people like so i've never experienced that level of like me and my buddies obviously like we razz each other but i'm just like dude you don't you turn around and post my score i had like one gutter ball you post it to nine thousand people dude <laughs> like that's what I, it's like dude talk oh, about someone said coops all over the place said, yeah including the gutter yeah like seriously though like unbelievable man and we're on we were on a team that game dude, and i was actually rolling pretty well so like yeah, that don't don't ever like that is the most high stakes bowling ever because you do one thing weird and it's on the internet immediately. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just need a little tough love there. I think I think that after that, I think after that post, you you had like two straight, I think you had a I think you had a strike, I think you had two spares. So like all you needed yeah, was, was that little nudge. I, I had to clean my act up of me. I was like, I went to the bathroom, I was like making sure my hat was on straight. <laughs> I was like, uh, this is gonna be it's gonna be live streamed. Like unbelievable, dude. The content, everything's content with you animals, dude. That's right. That's everything. <laughs> so uh, l- last thing we'll talk about. We we jumped over to the casino late that night. I think it was like 1.30-ish, 2 in the morning-ish. And we were playing yeah. poker. Um, a pretty big hand popped up. A pretty big pot, I should say. So I, prior to that pot, I called the guy out at the end of the table because he was playing really tight. 
playing kind of passive aggressively, wasn't making really, moves. really tight, dude. Okay, let me set the stage with this particular player. Like this, <laughs> first of all, dude, this guy, like, so I tried to put a bunch of money down and there was a limit to how much you could put down. 100 cash. So, 100, yeah. So like you can only put, but this guy in front of him had a freaking castle of yeah. the $5 chips, right? Like this he guy probably had there, like two grand almost. 100% have been there all day. And like you, I literally, I looked at his stack and I was like, well, if we're gonna play with this guy, I gotta put money on the table, right? And, yep. But you can't even do that. So this guy was just being a, He's just li living there. He had probably been there 24 hours or whatever. You know what I mean? So like that, that was this fella, but go on, Billy. Yeah, so he's sitting out with this mound of chips. He's only playing in hands. We know he's he only has a hand. And so I called him out on it. And so then his betting patterns start changing and then he had a tell and he, you could tell at this point now he was uncomfortable because he got called out on his yeah. playing style, which I love to do to people, by the way, it just puts them on edge when they're in the poker room and they, they start tilting. So nonetheless, we're in a hand pockets re raised, pre-raised per pre-flop. I think it's just you and this guy head up, right? Yeah. 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 And then and I made a mistake, right? Like, so I, I let me, let me, so I had, I had the top two pair Right. I had two pair, uh, both top cards, no pair on the board. So both my in my hand, dude, I think I had like a 10. I was playing like nine, 10. I had nine, 10 suited, which is why I was playing it, Billy, in case you're wondering. I wonder so, where it was. I didn't even see it. it like yeah, I so I, I, yeah. So it was like nine, 10 on the board and there was nothing. There was an ace up there and then there was like a three, but there was a flush draw and it wasn't it wasn't my suited cards. So I should have pushed them all in, but I just. You know, I mean, I was drinking 107 proof Weller and it was two in the morning. So I just I literally just reached over and grabbed whatever was closest. And I was like this many, you know, and you, of course, being a excellent poker player, you're like, you should go all in. And I was like, yeah, you know, what? I should go. All in. And so I did. Right. And then this guy, pissed. Uh, this guy, here's the thing about that. This is a one dollar blind table where you can't put one hundred dollars down. If this were the World Series of Poker and the bracelet were on the table, then you call the chaperones over or whatever he yeah. did. But he immediately was like, guards! Like he called he for a ruling. He called <laughs> he for a ruling. He's like, so, so they come over, dude. And they come over and they're like talking to us. And I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm like, we're fantasy football. And I, I like, I have $100 on the table because that's the most I could put on, you know? I'm like, I'm like, do you, what, you think we're cheating? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, give them the money. And then they were just like, the, obviously the the people that came over were like, uh, it's uh, not that big a deal. So yeah, just play they, it out, right? They, they did give me a warning. They said I can't influence the table anymore. <laughs> you were pot, you you were pot committed. So I got the verbal warning at the poker table. Official. That's on your permanent record. That's on your permanent record, Billy. <laughs> All I did was lean over to the coop and say, "Hey, you're pot committed. You have to go all in here." Because the guy was like limping. It. He was he was just calling. You could tell he was chasing. Right. He was, dude, I think I think the I think the remaining chips I had were worth like thirty two dollars. Like I, like it's not that big a not that big a swing, dude. You know this guy. Yeah, he was clearly chasing the flush. He was right. he was chasing. You could tell he was chasing. He got mad because he tried to think. He thought he could bully you out with eighty on the hand. Yeah. At that point, you know, all I said is, Coop, you have to go all in. Called for a ruling. They called the floor <sighs> over. They were telling me to be quiet. I can't talk anymore at the table. Uh, so okay. I ended up, so you bounced after that hand. Uh, well, I played, no, so, no, so I played one more hand. So here's what, the next hand comes up, and I, I I get my cards. I take a quick peek at them. And I thought I could pull the old, like, like I thought I could truly pull the sucker move because I was, like, pouting. Yeah. So I, 
I remember I just pushed all my chips on the blinds. Like he called, he called blinds. I was big right. blind. A couple people called and I go, I'm all in again. I don't care. I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Right. I was like, I'm out of here. Whatever, dude. And so I, was, I thought my attitude would work and he would be, he would actually call. Dude, I had ace queen suited. I had ace queen hearts. <laughs> I, was, I was really hoping that I would like my attitude of like, oh, whatever. I'm out of here. And he would call and I'd be like, got you. But that guy actually was pretty sharp. He, he caught on to what I was saying. But I did buy, I, you know, collected some blinds. I did get out of there. Uh, part of me getting out, of, there was two reasons. One, that guy was a dick. Two, they basically told you you couldn't talk at the table. And the whole reason <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, I was, it was like you, me, and uh, Will, it was like a and Adam. List, right? Will, yeah, yeah, Will yeah. and Adam. I'm like, I'm sitting here with my friends playing cards. Like, I don't care about this money. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like uh, the moment they were like that, he was, it, was, it became a serious thing and you couldn't talk. I was like, yeah, I'm going to leave. Also, I, again, we're drinking 107 proof Weller. <laughs> I was like, this, I was like, this guy needs to go to bed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't stick around that much longer. I think I played three or I, I played, I played the blind around the table. Once it came back to me and the, it was, and I was going to be big blind again. I just left the table. I ended up doubling up for like short hour. I was there. So it yeah. wasn't horrible, but um, would, I think I could have, I think I could have made some real money there because the other two guys that were actually chip the, leaders were pretty pretty obvious in their play style. The guy on my playing. right, the guy on my right was giving money away. He was so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then I, he would win. Say, he won huge hands. He won, just kept winning huge hands though. Is what it was, right. and then he would like lose 50, 40 bucks every other hand, and then he would win like a you know five hundred dollar hand. He was the best dude. That guy was trickle down economics for sure. Bro. <laughs> that guy was Ronald Reagan. Like so, and here's the, the so I I won four hundred bucks. But I I left my my Dolce sunglasses at the bowling alley, so oh, I actually no. so I walked away even on the weekend. <laughs> that sucks. I just bought them again. I just went online and bought the same pair. I said like with your poker winnings with with that guy. No, not my poker winnings with that guy's money. That's with right. With the yeah the uh, what is it, the all in police. We're, we're just gonna call him Cleveland because we were in Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland Tuesday, Cleveland, bro. Tuesday night at the Jack. He's taking poke. He's taking one dollar hands of poker, crazy seriously. <laughs> he was so he was so ticked off. I came back later. It was like two thirty three in the morning, and I went to say bye to Adam because I had to catch a flight at like seven. And so I was like, man, I got to get like two and a half hours of sleep before I hop on this plane. And so I go back to to the room. I was over at the craft table after that. I go back to the room just to say bye to Adam, and the guy actually gets up and comes over and apologizes to me. He should apologize. He should have found me. What the hell, dude? I mean, like, uh, just uh, here's the thing, man. Like the rigor. I've never actually seen that. I've never had anybody call. Like, I've actually I've seen you know with I've seen the dealers do it on other games and stuff. Being like, hey, boss, will you come over and take? I've never had a player do it. So like, yeah, just the the rigmarole, the whole thing. I was literally, literally, I was like, you can have the money. Like we, we, just, we were we were in his head is what it was. Yeah, I called him out like five minutes you early. Yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah, was yeah, start yeah. changing his betting patterns. I told you to go all in. He was getting pissed. Yeah, we were already calling him hot shot because he had so many. <laughs> I think it was part of calling him hot shot. It's probably part of it. Well, I will admit that. Okay, I will admit that. Like you know, two in the morning, you and me, kind of a tough, kind of tough setting. Yeah, right. No, he, no care yeah. in the world. And he can't, he can't take his chips to another table because they'll make him sit down with a hundred. So <laughs> yeah, now it makes sense. Yeah, we were actually ruining that guy's night pretty bad. So I will say that too. But I mean, it was a Tuesday. So I mean, come on now. Oh man, if that's if that's what I could do every year at the FSGA is ruin someone's Tuesday night at a poker table. That's my new. That's my new mission. I I sign me up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Coop, uh, you've been very generous with time. I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell the listeners where to find you, what you're working on, and give them all the deets. Yeah, man. So I make it pretty simple for everybody. At Coop A Fiasco, C-O-O-P-A-F-I-A-S-C-O. And I everything I do, I tweet it out. I retweet this out. If you said something good, I retweet it. It's not that often you do, but I will. So like I try and collect everything together in this one spot. So all the articles I do, all the podcasts I do, you can see it there. That's the fastest way to, to find me. If you want to my deep dives and stuff, uh, Go to Fantasy Alarm, search Andrew Cooper, and our draft guide is out now. It has all my rankings, and earlier I said I hate linear rankings. My linear rankings are in there, but I have other rankings called dynamic rankings where I attempt to break down, like the yin and yang tight end, Billy, like we know about. But I, I break guys down into, like running backs, it's upside, it's, you know, third down backs versus early down backs. Uh, you know, I handcuffs, handcuff plus break it all down. So I do my best to, uh, let people know what I'm thinking and also how I'm thinking. So get that draft guide, uh, the fantasy slime draft guide. And and, Hey, check me out in the player profiler draft guide. I'm in there this year too, doing a little DK Metcalf talk. Amen to that shit. Hey, (laughs) amen to that shit. Well, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for your, uh, cameo inside the draft kit. That is uh, a huge effort from all the analysts who participate and you know hats off to theo for just grinding that thing out for the last couple months and getting <laughs> out a g dude he's top, a g getting out 300 player analysis on that draft kit it is an awesome tool it has my rankings in there the projections are in there as well um and you can utilize it we're gonna have one page cheat sheets those are coming out soon they're not out yet but one page cheat sheets it'll be for ffpc for underdog it'll also be for your home league for ppr you could also turn on the super flex and titan premium filter if you want and it'll automatically create those in the cheat sheets so thanks everybody for tuning in andrew thanks for your time appreciate you coming on love your tight end insight and had fun with you at fsga in cleveland until next time folks have a good one We're just going to call him Cleveland because we were in Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland, t- Tuesday, Cleveland, bro. Sean Payton used the word Joker. And people, when they hear Joker, they think Alvin Kamara, right? I think Batman. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. For- <laughs> God damn it, dude. <laughs> now, will you please be serious with me for a second? He calls Alvin Kamara the Joker. Why so serious? <laughs> Dude, you said that was half Heath Ledger, half y- Yoda. Gun the tight end wars have. Stronger tight ends are. Anyway, bro. Anyway.